Welcome to the Adult Bedwetting Podcast. I'm your host, Adult Enuretic. This is episode 7. Is bedwetting or incontinence a disability? If you've hung around the sub long enough, you know that this question comes up from time to time. It always sparks a pretty lively debate. At the heart of this question really is, what is a disability? We can start out by looking at the dictionary definition. Merriam-Webster defines this as, physical, mental, cognitive, or developmental condition that impairs, interferes with, or limits a person's ability to engage in certain tasks or actions or participate in typical daily activities and interactions. We can dissect that a little bit. Physical, mental, cognitive, or developmental condition. We're probably looking at a physical condition, possibly a mental condition. After all, some people come to our sub by way of the CPTSD sub, we know that stress can be a significant contributor. By and large, however, we're probably looking at this being a physical condition for either bedwetting or incontinence. The second part of this definition, the bridge if you will, is that this condition impairs, interferes with, or limits. What does it limit? A person's ability to engage in certain tasks or actions or participate in typical daily activities and interactions. If we take that apart a little bit, we're looking at a person's ability to engage in certain tasks or actions. So the question becomes, what tasks or actions might bedwetting or incontinence prevent you from participating in? And secondly, what daily activities or interactions might you be prevented from or impaired from participating in? This is really the crux of the question. Do you think that there's anything that you're impaired from, interfered from, or limited from doing because of incontinence or bedwetting? We'll explore that more a little further in the show. Before things get any simpler, they're going to get a little bit more complicated. Look at the definition from the Americans with Disabilities Act. Is really most relevant if you're from the USA, but there, there are similar acts in legislation in other countries as well. The Americans with Disabilities Act defines disability as follows. The ADA defines a person with a disability as a person who has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more life activities. This includes people who have a record of such an impairment, even if they do not currently have a disability, it also includes individuals who do not have a disability, but are regarded as having a disability. The ADA also makes it unlawful to discriminate against a person based on that person's association with a person with a disability. The first part of this is pretty straightforward. A person with a disability is a person who has a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. This is stronger wording substantially limits in a major life activity. Under this definition, it would be more difficult to see bedwetting or incontinence as a disability. In the case of bedwetting, symptoms are relatively easily managed so that we're not seeing substantial effect on a major life activity. With incontinence, there's a lot of variation. So it might be up to the individual to decide how much effect they're seeing on their life and whether or not they think it's a substantial effect or whether it affects any major life activities.
Then, of course, the definition gets more complicated. The second sentence. This includes people who have a record of such an impairment, even if they do not currently have a disability. According to the ADAAA website, record of means that a person has a history of or has been misclassified as having a mental or physical impairment that substantially limit one or more life activities, even though the person does not currently have the disability. This seems to mean the person can be classified as having a disability even if they don't, don't have it any longer, if they've had it in the past, or if they've been classified as having it in their medical records, even if that was a misclassification. In the U.S., this is important because it affords you the same protections under the law as a person who currently has a disability. If that wasn't complicated enough, we return to the third sentence from the ADA definition. It also includes individuals who do not have a disability but are regarded as having a disability. For the purposes of this definition, regarded as means that the person either has an impairment that does not substantially limit a major life activity, has an impairment that substantially limits a major life activity only as a result of the attitudes of others towards them, or does not have any impairment but is treated by an entity as having an impairment. The first and third of these are particularly interesting. The first can be regarded as having a disability if you have an impairment that does not substantially limit a major life activity. That sounds counterintuitive. What you really need to know is that this section is all about the perception of employers. As an impairment that does not substantially limit a major life activity. What's important here is that even if it does not substantially limit a major life activity, if your employer perceives that it does, you're still protected by the ADA. All that matters here is that the impairment is real, whether or not it substantially limits a major life activity. This rule could apply to both bedwetting and incontinence, potentially at all levels. Rule 3 of the regarded clause is like the other side of the same coin. Under this one, we're looking at the rule that says that you're regarded as having disability even if the individual does not have any impairment but is treated by an entity as having an impairment. This is an expansion by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals under Nunes versus HIE Holdings Incorporated. In this ruling, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said the plaintiff could simply show that the employer terminated them because of his knowledge of the condition, regardless of whether the employer actually perceived the condition as a disability, and regardless of whether or not the condition amounted to an actual disability. In this case, the individual does not have an impairment, is treated by an employer as having an impairment, and is discriminated against for it. Terminated, denied advancement, demoted, anything along those lines. Imagine a situation where somebody works as a cashier. They put in for medical leave for an operation for a sacral nerve stimulator. Because of this, their employer finds out about their incontinence. 
after the procedure, they're terminated because their employer believes that they're going to need more restroom breaks. This would be the type of thing that this clause covers. Perhaps after their surgery, they have no impairment. If they're being treated as having an impairment by their employer, they're covered by this clause. Taken as a whole, the ADA definition is quite broad. It initially has a relatively high standard. You have to have a substantial limit to one or more major life activities to fit the, fit the definition for a disability under the ADA. But it has very wide-reaching protections. You don't have to have any disability or impairment at all to still be protected as long as somebody perceives you as being disabled. This means that although bedwetting and incontinence may not actually meet the criteria for being a disability under the ADA, they almost certainly meet the, meet the criteria for being a protected class under the ADA. Taking a slightly less American-centric view, we can look at the World Health Organization's stance on disability. They say that disability is any condition of the body or mind that makes it more difficult for the person with a condition to do certain activities and interact with the world around them. They include in this conditions that affect vision, movement, thinking, remembering, learning, communication, hearing, mental health, and social relationships. It's significant here that they list social relationships amongst their criteria. According to the World Health Organization, disability has three dimensions. The first is impairment. Impairment refers back to the first part of their definition, that disability is any condition of the body or mind. An impairment in a person's body structure or function or mental function Examples of impairments include loss of limb, loss of vision, or memory loss. Again, this is pretty straightforward. If bedwetting or incontinence, we're looking at a limitation of a person's body function, mental function. This impairment would be probably a physical impairment that we're looking at. The second dimension of disability, according to WHO, is activity limitation such as difficulty seeing, hearing, walking, or problem solving. This one is potentially more of a stretch for bedwetting and incontinence. You could potentially argue, especially in, with incontinence, that there's an activity limitation with reaching the toilet, using the toilet. Bedwetting, it's more difficult to make this argument. Of course, you could argue that you can't reach the toilet overnight. This is more of a functional issue than an actual physical impairment. Third dimension, which refers back to the last part of the WHO definition, interacting with the world around them, participation restriction in normal daily activities. Examples of this were working, engaging in social and recreational activities, and obtaining health care and preventative services. This is also where the social relationship aspect comes in. To clarify some of this, we can turn to the WHO's International Classification of Functioning Disability and Health, or ICF, a document they published in 2001 
provides standard language for classifying body function, structure, activity, participation levels, and conditions of the world around us that influence health. There's descriptions and definitions of some of the terms that are used. In this case, we're interested in the definition for participation. Participation is a person's involvement in a life situation. It establishes and maintains interpersonal relationships and interactions, engaging in major life activities, education, employment, managing money and finances, engaging in community and social and civic life. Those are a lot of things that are worth considering. The first in that grouping, establishing and managing interpersonal relationships and interactions. We know this to be difficult for people with both bedwetting and incontinence. We see on both bedwetting and the incontinence subs that people are re reluctant to date. We know from research that bedwetting and incontinence affect friends that people make and their reluctance to reach out and join community groups. The second in this grouping, engaging in major life areas, education, employment, managing money or finances. We also know from the adult bedwetting subreddit that people are sometimes reluctant to continue their education. We see posts that both show people are reluctant to continue their education, go to college, and people who are planning to go to college but are very stressed out about how they're going to manage it, how they're going to be able to live in a dorm, have a roommate, survive the experience. To a lesser degree, we see posts from people who are generally newly incontinent worrying about how they're going to manage their symptoms at work, whether or not they'll be able to continue their employment and what they're going to do. But once again, returning to our major question, is bedwetting or incontinence a disability? Using the WHO definition, I think that it certainly passes the test under one and three of the definition, those clauses. The second one, whether or not there's an activity limitation, you'll have to be the judge for yourself. One of the common themes between these definitions is that disability should cause some sort of limitation. So let's take a look at what limitations incontinence and bedwetting can cause. Incontinence, we can look at some of these. For incontinence, some of the limitations include planning days around toilet access, having to carry supplies, limits on some job opportunities, job opportunities against jobs like being a cashier, working on a factory line, being a field operator, things on a boat, anything deep sea on a boat, anything remote, in remote conditions you'd have to carry a lot more supplies, anything overnight where you have to have a lot more supplies, in the military. In the U.S., the military has an automatic disqualification for anybody who has incontinence past the age of 12 years. There's also a lot of difficulty traveling, again, because you have to carry a lot of supplies with you. In some cases, having to take multiple suitcases just to carry the amount of extra supplies. 
the social awkwardness that comes with incontinence, potentially limited on hobbies. Depending on what level of incontinence you have and what type, you might not be able to do things like deep sea diving because diapers and wetsuits don't necessarily go together, just as an example. There's withdrawal from community and dating. We've already discussed that to some degree. And complications with intimacy. When we look at the list for bedwetting, some of it's very similar. Bedwetting, you might have limited job opportunities in some of the same ways. Anything that's overnight, you're going to have a lot of the same limitations. This is an offshore rig operator. It's going to be in a remote location. Any remote field, field work or any other type of overnight work, you're going to have to bring diapers with you. Likewise, the military has the same restriction. Any enuresis past the age of 12 years is an automatic disqualifier in the U.S. The same difficulty with traveling, having to pack a lot of supplies with you. Again, social awkwardness. Bedwetting is a little bit easier to hide, but especially when you get into dating, you're going to have this same thing. You have to have that discussion at some point. There's withdrawal from the community. And if we refer back to episode four, we have some statistics that support this. 32 to 40 percent of bedwetters felt that there was some effect on their choice of job, work performance, and social activities. 23% felt that the condition affected their family, life, and making friends of either sex. It's pretty significant in terms of the social aspects and how that affects self-esteem, interactions with other individuals, and the community. Again, you can also consider this to have complications with intimacy because diapers and intimacy don't necessarily go together. You'll have to think about these limitations and decide if any of them apply to you and to what degree. On the adult bedwetting subreddit, we often compare bedwetting and incontinence to visual impairment and diapers to needing corrective lenses. It's one of our favorite analogies. At a low level, neither bedwetting or incontinence or visual impairment is a disability because it's easily dealt with. Some of these conditions exist on a spectrum. Some people have mild nearsightedness or require only reading glasses. On the other hand, some people have extreme low vision or narrow field of vision. In the later examples, a person may in fact have a visual disability, losing the ability to drive or take certain occupations, perhaps even participate in some hobbies. You think of some potentially remote-controlled vehicles as an example. Likewise, an individual that has mild incontinence or bedwetting may adapt just fine with the use of behavioral techniques. Others might find that diapers are a necessity and leaks may be commonplace. For those individuals, it might be a much greater challenge. Similarly to those with severe visual impairments, some jobs may become impractical or impossible. While it's true that anyone can experience a wedding accident or a bedwetting incident, 
different than somebody who experiences them on a chronic basis. We often see people who come to the sub worried about this single accident they've had. In those cases, we usually just tell them that a one-off is no big deal and that they can not worry about it too much. With heavier incontinence and frequent bedwetting, we have to start planning for things. Where a bathroom is going to be, am I going to be in a place where I can change? I'll be able to dispose of the used diapers or have a place to do laundry if I need to. Some things have to be off limits for practical reasons or completely off limits because of the rules that are officially put in place by the organizations. Changes require facilities. You can't just duck, duck behind a bush if nature calls. You have to not only carry spares, but carry them out if there's nowhere to dispose of them. Air travel becomes much more difficult because airline bathrooms aren't designed for changes. Backpacking is a hobby that I've had in the past, but it's become off limits for me personally. I can't carry enough dry diapers in or all the wet diapers out to make it possible. You're probably not going to work in any remote locations. Hopefully you weren't set on working in an offshore rig, being a scientist in a remote location, or doing any sort of long-distance fishing or boating. Personally, science is my background, and working in remote locations is something that I had wanted to do in the past. At this point, it's probably not something that's in the cards for me anyway. This is the point that I am in my life. It was something that had become off-limits to me, personally, anyway, because of my bedwetting. It's not that many of these things are totally impossible. It would take a pretty heroic effort to overcome the disability, quote-unquote. If we harken back for a moment to the WHO definition of a disability, we also have a participation and social aspect to address. Incontinent and bedwetting have the potential to cause significant social impairment. People who have been incontinent for their entire lives sometimes have to come to sort of peace with their condition and allow themselves to find personal normal of how to manage the social aspects and manage incontinence in the world. Those that come to incontinence later in life often don't learn the same sort of self-management and balance for years. Some in either group may never reach true comfort level. Bedwetting by its nature tends to be more hidden. Because of this, it's often the case that bedwetters are never forced to confront their issue directly, and they simply choose to avoid any situation that might expose them. So it suggests that bedwetting leads to isolation in a relatively high percentage of cases. Again, we can look back at episode 4 and those statistics that I quoted earlier. 32 to 40% felt that it affected their choice of job, work performance, or social activities, and 23% felt the condition affected their family, family life, and their choice of making friends of either sex. Those are again pretty significant numbers in terms of the way that this affects people's social life. Now for your consideration, I'd like to read to you a short excerpt from a post by GWD, one of our members at the Adult Bedwetting Sub. This post is about an experience that he had where one of his doctors seemed to have felt that bedwetting was a disability. This morning I was summoned to the HR department at work. I learned that my new doctor declared me in my medical evaluation as unfit to travel for work with overnight stay. He was suffering from nocturnal enuresis. This was presented to me by the chief of HR 
the requirement that I alter my job contract within 30 days and a warning that not doing so could lead to my termination. I think that anybody could see that this is a physical condition that was having a significant impact on his life activities. Now, he did end up getting this straightened out. The doctor reversed this opinion after his inquiry about it on a subsequent visit, and everything turned out all right. But here we can see that, at least in some people's eyes, bedwetting must be a disability. Now, a major issue here is that this doctor made the decision for GWD and without his consent, or even with this, without discussing it with him. This should never be the case, as it's the individual who knows how much their life is affected by the condition. Ultimately, it may be an individual thing. For some people, it's a disability, and for some people, it's not. My score on this, I would say that it is for me. There's things that I passed up, things that I've not pushed to do because of bedwetting. There's times my colleagues have planned professional conferences out of town, and I've passed on the opportunity because it's complicated. Times I haven't applied for jobs with field work and overnight travel because they're in the description. Maybe I could have made it work, maybe not, but it would have been because I had overcome it, not because of the normal course of events. Where do you fall on this subject? You'll have to think about it. Give it a long, hard look. If you want to get in contact with me, you can go to the Adult Bedwetting subreddit and look at the Moderator tab. You can also reach me at adultneuretic at gmail.com or you can leave a message at www.speakpipe.com slash adultbedwetting. This is Adult Enuretic signing off, saying have a good night and a dry morning.